it's always a pleasure to follow Michael because I disagree with virtually nothing, and nothing I think that uh, Michael said today, which leaves me with new things to say on the same topic. <coughs> Michael, of course, did his best when he was in government to implement his party's manifesto, so that's why, that's why he got the sack and had to be removed from, uh, from, from government. Uh, you can't implement your manifesto and get away with it these days. It's, I'm not going to go through the science. Michael's done that. You know it anyway. You know how serious the matter is. We've got this uh, tipping point, two-degree tipping point, uh, which we've got to try and stay within if we possibly can. The consequences already in train. Even if we do all the right things now, the consequences are going to be horrendous for the world uh, and not very pleasant for this country. And uh, the challenge now is to make sure that they are limited to being horrendous rather than being fatal uh, if we continue down the road which we've sadly, as a human race, chosen. Nobody now doubts that climate change is occurring, except perhaps uh, the top echelons of ExxonMobil, uh, President Bush. Uh, you can fit them into a telephone box probably. Sadly, they are important people, and they are continuing to exert a selfish, short-sighted influence on policy in the U.S., and, of course, across the world uh, by extension. And we have to get round that. And, yes, we cannot kowtow to the Bush administration, but we must, I'm sure Mike will agree with this, we must engage with those politicians in America who are actually on the right side. And there are politicians in the northeastern states who set up a, an EU emissions trading scheme, parallel scheme. There are people, even in the Republican Party, like John McCain and Schwarzenegger, who admit climate change is there, and action has to be taken. Okay, they may not go far enough, but they are there, and we need to encourage those people, because America is responsible for 25% uh, of greenhouse gas emissions, from 4% of the world's population, and they must be part of any solution. It's unpalatable, but sadly that's the reality. So we need to engage those people and make sure the forces of, of good, if there are such things, put it in those terms, triumph over the forces of selfishness. And President Bush, who seems to treat the world as some sort of closing down sale, uh, needs to be outmaneuvered as fast as possible. And if you will talk to people in, in other developing countries, because there's big issues about um, emissions from China, from India, and so on coming down the track, they're going to increase, there's no way around that. Uh, we have to try and engage those people and find a way forward for the world which they can buy into as well. And I believe very firmly that's contraction and convergence. Uh, we've got to have a system which both reduces emissions overall across the planet uh, on a tight time scale, measurable, with uh, independent targets properly monitored, properly reported back on, and enforceable, ultimately. And we also have to do so on the basis of moving towards uh, a scheme where there's a, an equal emissions per head of population across the world. And if we do that, actually, that's one of the objections the Americans had, was that the developing world wasn't included. Okay, let's include them on that basis. But also, for the developing countries, who, who looked at the mess the West, in fact, the North has made of the world so far, that's a way of them saying, okay, here's some equity in this system. So that's something we can all hopefully buy into. And certainly when I've tried that argument out in India, for example, it's one which Indian politicians are quite happy to accept. So we have to go forward on that basis. We can't have a, a, a solution for the world based on inequality, based on exploitation, based on unfairness. It won't work. They won't buy into it, and therefore, apart from anything else, pragmatically, that's the answer we have to try and find. And ultimately, we need to use fiscal instruments to try and drive policy as well. You can ban things, you can regulate, but ultimately fiscal instruments, making it cheaper to do the right thing, more expensive to do the wrong thing, has got to be one of the great ways forward, not just in this country, but more widely across the planet as well. We need to roll out clean coal technology. It may sound odd to talk about coal uh, when we're trying to tackle climate change, but there's a huge number of new coal plants being built in China, in India, and elsewhere. 
And one of the best contributions we can make, I think, is to ensure that the best available technology to limit carbon emissions is made available and rolled out to coal plants, both existing ones, more difficult, but certainly to new ones. And we ought to be having carbon <coughs> capture and storage as a key part of international energy policy. If we don't have that, then frankly, we're going to be wasting our time. Michael's talked about international aviation. The figures from this country, and by the way, we've seen a massive increase in the last 10 years, 23%, I think, and, and increasing, uh, taking off aviation emissions in this country. And we've got a policy as well, which uh, talks about expand, expanding airports, catering on, on, a, on a predictability basis, a predictable provide basis for air travel. Uh, a policy which uh, Tony Blair runs away from any idea that uh, cheap flights can be limited. Indeed, they are being encouraged. Uh, a policy where now, I, one or two of my constituents the other day told me they were actually flying to Spain to pick up cheap alcohol and cheap cigarettes and flying back. So what people used to do on the ferry, they're now doing on the plane. That's how cheap it's become. What a mad arrangement. What a mad world that we have that sort of uh, trip. And how mad it is that if I want to uh, go to, uh, to Manchester or to Glasgow or Edinburgh, it's far cheaper to do so on the plane usually than it is on the train. We've got to get these fiscal signals right. And indeed, talking about transport generally, um, since 1974, you may want to know, the cost of travelling by rail has risen 84% in real terms. The bus cost of going by bus, 71%. The cost of going by, mo cost of going by private car has gone down, down 2.5%. So when all these motorists were out, and, I know motorists too, but when the motorists were out in 2000 protesting on the streets, saying how terribly expensive fuel is, I think it should be the bus passengers who should be out on the streets and the train commuters who should be out on the streets. And we have to have a policy from central government, and the Chancellor is key on this, which drives the right environmental choices because the present policies do not do that. Now, I'm afraid to say that um, the, re the record of this government has been, uh, has been pretty poor and very disappointing to me because there are plenty of people in the Labour Party who are sincere and genuine about climate change. And I'm not here to start knocking parties, but I'll knock politicians in whatever party they're in who get it wrong or who miss out the opportunity to do the right thing or who actually actively do the wrong thing. And sadly there are lots of those actually in most parties, in all parties if you like. But the record of this government, I'm afraid, has been, uh, has been disappointing and it's been disappointing because it's been badly led in terms of tackling climate change by the Prime Minister himself, and to a lesser extent by the Chancellor. And the Climate Change Review, which was uh, in, uh, if you noticed it, it wasn't very long ago, should have been a big issue, should have been the major debate of the week, should have been subject to a major government statement. Where was it? It was a written statement buried on about page 223 of Hansard. That's what it was, that's how important it is to the government, hidden away as a written statement. No debate on the issue at all on the floor of the House because the government's going to miss its 20% target widely. Uh, they may even miss their Kyoto target. Uh, they keep saying they've met it. They can't have met it because it doesn't actually kick in until 2008. And because emissions are increasing, they may miss that as well. That's a terrible situation. And we need to do far more, I think, cross-party to, uh, to try and deal with that matter. So my argument, as I say, is not with political parties, but it's with those within each political party who argue the wrong thing or fail to take the right action. And that means, the other side of the coin, is that those of us, of all political parties, and no political party, should be coming together, as we are today, to argue for the right cause, and be prepared to work together and sink our differences where necessary to try and achieve 
sensible action on climate change. It's too important to argue about what some Lib Dem council somewhere in the northeast has done or what some Tory MP somewhere has said. It's too important for that. We have to try and find a basis for going forward which takes the big decisions necessary to tackle climate change. I'm afraid that the... Uh, I'm, I'm afraid that the... Uh, the, the evidence, as I say, has not been keen recently. <coughs> the recent changes to DEFRA suggest that Margaret Beckett and those who are opposed to nuclear power have been moved out, and I'm entirely with Michael on nuclear power, and those who will do the Prime Minister's bidding have been moved in. So watch this space for some very, very bad decisions on energy coming up the track, which I shall certainly oppose with all the strength I've got. Uh, lastly, can I congratulate Phil and all those in Stop Climate Chaos and other, otherwise who have been campaigning on this issue it's really encouraging to us in Parliament to know there's such a body of opinion out there in the public, and the public, as is often the case, is ahead of the politicians uh, on this particular issue. We need to make sure that there's a revolution of thought in this country, a revolution of thought in Parliament, and a revolution of action from our politicians to take the right decisions necessary to make sure we finally do get action on climate change.